This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Hey, everybody. Wednesday. Oh, already Wednesday. Jim Toth, how you doing? Feels like a Tuesday to me. Yeah. Feels like the day after Monday. Yeah. What happened yesterday? I don't know. Things were said. I heard there was a great show. I asked you to leave. You said, I'm out of here. And that's how that all unfolded. I, I came into the studio and you were like, can you just be, can you just try and be a little more quiet? I'm like, I'm setting up. Yeah. And you're like, don't, don't talk to me like that. Yeah, I said, I'm like, don't talk to you. You're the one who made with me. And you're like, your tone. And I'm yeah. like, if I hear tone one more time <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you can't speak it's, nicely. It's, and I'm like, I was. And then you, ju- and then the tone. And then I left. It's not what you said. It's the way you said it. I, I don't want to hear that anymore. That's why I asked you to leave. I said, well, if you're going to be like this, then get out. Tone. Jerry Seinfeld, by the way, who's coming to town, has a great, in his latest stand-up that was a couple of years ago now on Netflix, has a thing about his tone at home. And he's like, I can't do anything <laughs> anymore. It's <laughs> like, um, can you take the garbage out? Yes, I'll take the garbage out. And for three days, what's the matter? It was your tone on how you said <laughs> you'd take the garbage out. Not that you took it out or didn't. Yeah. It's the way you said it. You have to be jo- everything's got to be j- joyful. Yeah, everything's got to have enthusiasm. I hear that word a lot. Tone. So oh. when you said it to me, I just I'm out. Oh, it set you off. Yeah. Okay. Well, I understand. Well, I don't want to hear about my for, tone anymore. Thanks for letting me know about things that. are getting done. Things will get done. Doesn't tone doesn't matter. You know where things are getting done. The National Hockey League. They sure are. Three-way tie in the NHL yesterday. Uh, This was just unfolding while we were on air. We knew that Ivan Provorov was uh, being acquired by Columbus, and we knew knew that Cal Peterson was going to be on his way to Philadelphia. Uh, the 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 details of the trade <laughs> didn't come off because actually I was I was in contact and David Pinata with the, the fourth period uh, he he was actually I was I was speaking to him earlier on in the day as well as some other guys and they were all on the same plane heading from all the insiders were all on the same plane heading from <laughs> heading Vegas to Florida heading to Florida and so all this information was like it's we're gonna find out in a few hours because. They're all going to be somewhere over the continent of the United States at when, when all this information is starts to a, come out. So is that even allowed? Like heaven forbid, but like the president, the vice president yeah. never traveled together. Mm-hmm. You can't have that many insiders on the same flight. Wow. It's about the same level. So where will we get our insights? <laughs> well, you know what? We'll have to find it some other way. Not that I, again, heaven forbid if anything yeah. were to, but. Thanks for adding that part onto it. Uh, Columbus acquired <laughs> defenseman Ivan Provorov from Philadelphia, trading away a first round pick that Columbus had previously acquired from Los Angeles on March 1st when uh, Vladislav uh, Gavrikov and Jonas Korpisalo uh, were sent to the Kings. Um, so this first-round pick uh, has turned into the 22nd overall, uh, as well as a conditional 2024 uh, second-rounder. So that's what Philadelphia acquired from that trade, while Philly also uh, brought in a prospect, a 2024 second-rounder, netminder Cal Peterson, who's on a $5 million deal for two years uh, struggled last year, that's for sure, on on a, on a crummy team, but you have to add that. Uh, defenseman Sean Walker, uh, two AHL pieces going to Los Angeles, and the Kings retaining 30% of Provorov's salary for about... Uh, uh, so that's going to be a hit for the next uh, number of years here at $2,025 million. And the question I had when this comes out, does this open up LA as a team they're going to be looking to make a play to bring in a top goaltender like Hellebuck if and when... Or if he uh, is going to hit the market and the Winnipeg Jets can't find a way to work something out with their star netminder. 
Yeah, I mean, the the big thing about yesterday's trade, which I thought was pretty good for Philadelphia, is, and the other thing about the talk around Connor Hellebuck is Carter Hart's now out there. Yeah. And Carter Hart's an RFA. He's got some money, and he's a bona fide number one starting goaltender. I like Carter Hart. I think he's yeah. a really good goalie. I think he's been in a terrible situation for the past couple of years. Absolutely. Um, but this muddies the water. To me, this move by Philadelphia yesterday and Columbus and L.A. tells me what we saw at the trade deadline. All of a sudden, two weeks before the deadline or two weeks before the start of that deadline, a couple of days before it, Nashville starts doing things and Washington started doing things. And to me, that was teams going, look, we're get, we've decided to go this route and we don't want to be in the mix of it a week and a half from now where there's mm-hmm. all these options flying around and everything. We're going to get ahead of this and get what we want. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. Like, look at what Nashville got, right? So I think that's what Philadelphia is doing. I think they got a very good return for Ivan Provolov. And I think that by floating Carter Hart out there, they're getting a jump on everybody who, including maybe the Jets, mm-hmm. um, who are sort of waiting for the Stanley Cup final to start. If they move Hart in the next two or three days and get what they want for yeah. him, it's brilliant. Doesn't this kind of break I mean, from tradition? These moves does, usually yeah. don't usually get made uh, during the Stanley Cup final. Exactly. And, yeah. and I guarantee you... I, well, I can't guarantee it because I don't know for a fact, but I promise you this would not happen on a game day. Yeah. So the fact that this happened during the final, but also the fact that it was nowhere near game day because they're going to do it on an off day. But look, to me, I think that this is a team going, let's look at this market. We're hearing John Gibson's available in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the Jets are going to do with Connor Hellebuck? These are like, we've got to get ahead of this. So let's put Carter Hart out there. We're, we're willing to move him. And then all of a sudden teams are going, I'd love to get Connor Hellebuck, but I don't know if I can re-sign him and I haven't had those discussions yet. Should we maybe go the Carter Hart route mm-hmm. and have the RFA status for him? And then and they're like, well, yeah, that's... Um, so who knows if teams that are talking to them about Carter Hart, but this whole um, uh, have actually called Cheville Day off or not. But I think they have. Like, mm-hmm. I think... I think there's a lot of teams not involved in the Stanley Cup final that have begun discussions. And I think it's going to be like the deadline, Cam. It's going to be extremely busy offseason. There's going to be a ton of moves. But I also think what we're seeing is the same philosophy around the deadline. There are teams that you didn't expect to maybe do some things. I mean, Provolov, I'm I'm not shocked, was traded. Carter Hart, I am. Yeah. But when you look at it, it's smart business. Like, even if you re-sign Carter Hart and you're in the midst of a rebuild, which they are. Yeah. What's the point to that? What's the point to signing him for six years for six uh, mil? Carter Hart, yeah, he's 24. And the first three years of it. It's much what Philadelphia did with Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau wanted to be a flyer. And Mm -hmm. the Flyers said, why would we pay a guy $9 million, even though we want him, to not not help us for the next two to three years? Carter Hart, 24 years old, right now very close to a $4 million cap hit. He is an RFA after this year. Uh, and and the word is that there that there are deals being worked on to to, to move Carter Hart, and it, it brings me to the question, Jim: Is do the Jets sit sit on this for the next little bit? Should they be in a position where if they are going to make moves and they can't get this stuff done, and I I wonder how much clarity they have on the situation surrounding Pierre Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck and 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 Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele. I would have to think. Since they've been eliminated, those conversations had to have happened by now. I think they they know. I they would have to know they the situation know. here going. They know the numbers of the, of of what's going to happen. They know the intention of of each of the players and and what they want to do. So so in I, general, how it works in so my how, mind. How quickly do they do they do something if you know the the answers there point towards 
uh, change is coming and, and moves are going to be made. Yeah. So, and look at the two teams. Vegas might be very interested in, in a Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Um, Florida will not be. They have Sergey Bobrovsky. Yeah. Um, so then, unless you want to talk specifically to Vegas, you're having conversations. Here's how I, I here's how I know it works in general. I don't know if it worked for the Jets this offseason. But you have your exit meetings, and your GM tells you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how are you feeling, blah, blah, blah. We, this is what we're thinking, and we'll be in touch with your agent real quick. And they say, yeah, okay. And, and like, no player sits there and goes, no, unless you adamantly don't want to be back. Yeah. Any player goes, okay, we'll talk to my agent, and, you know, this is what I'll work on this summer, and blah, 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 and mm-hmm. thanks for everything. And they leave. And then the agent talk happens. So I think the agent talk with Kevin Sheveldayoff and Connor Hellebuck's agent, Blake Wheeler, and Blake Wheeler himself probably, Mark Shifley's agent and Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent have already happened. Yeah. I think by the second round, um, Sheveldayoff knows what they want and where they do. And then Sheveldayoff sits down with the brass and says, this is what I think. And they've, I think they've made these decisions. So when Elliot Friedman comes out with the news in the final that Winnipeg is listening. Yes. That's to me of going, hey, we're listening. What do you got? What would you be willing to do to change, to get Shifley, Dubois? Or, and, and, and why these discussions in my mind happen is because they know that if Hellebuck said, look, I'd be interested in returning on an eight-year deal, but I want, or $8 million per, but yeah. I want to wait and see what you, you do. Mm-hmm. The team has to make a decision on that. Yeah. But are, if he sits here and wait? says, I'll come back depending on what you'll do, but it starts at 10, and then he could have said, I'll, I will won't wait to see what you're going to do. I will come back, but it starts at 10. Like these are whatever the conversations were, I think the Jets have decided what they will look at. It doesn't mean they've decided what they're going to do, but they've now said, look, we can't do 10 for him. He said he'll take seven. Are we interested in that? They've made a decision on that. and But all those, I think, have happened, and now the work starts. And yeah. I think that's what the Flyers have done. Yeah, and you look at the Flyers, you look at LA Kings, who are involved in this trade. Uh, you know, they got half-decent net mining from Phoenix Copley over the course of, uh, uh, you know, you got 61 career starts. I, I, that's not somebody you're going to completely, you know, drive here. Um, it, it, Jonas like, Carpasalo, he kind of folded in the postseason here. The word is that they're looking to to see. Well, there's, they're kind of kicking tires on on what they can do with him. It's probably going to cost them six or seven million dollars if they want to re-sign uh, Gavrovic, who 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 they were able to pick up here. But the LA, they're in some, they have some cap issues. So if if they would be involved in a trade, it would be player for player. You know, Philip Deneau, uh, it would be tough to pull a guy like that. He's got a ten team no move clause. Um, Adrian Kempe, I mean, would the LA Kings be willing to move a guy like that for a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, a 41 goal scorer on a $5.5 million deal for the next three and a half years for the next three years. And then you have the Victor Arvidsons, uh, Gabriel Velarde, who could be a, a part of this move here, but I keep looking at Buffalo and we got to take a break here, but Buffalo's got $17 million in cap space. Those guys were a net minder away from making the playoffs. And I think being a damn good team in, in the postseason. I know that they got their guy. I know that they're they're big on um, on Ukopeka Lukinit <laughs> UPL okay. uh, as Rob Ray, a uh, friend of the show, uh, referred to him as because I think he was afraid <laughs> to say his name. But, Quickly, uh, I do want to say this: the yeah. reason I like the fact that Philadelphia is trading Carter Hart now is one name, John Gibson. John Gibson, in my mind, has been a top five goaltender in this league for six years. What has it gotten them? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're a bad player. It doesn't mean you don't want them. It doesn't mean you don't need them. But look at where your franchise is 
And if they're not going to help you win or a chance to contend in the next four years and they are worth something, get something for them. Gibson's turning 30 mid-July, $6.4 million cap it for the next four years. That's pretty good. Modified no trade clause. But uh, he's going to be... But like I Philly mean, should not re-sign Carter no. to have a number one goaltender established when you're rebuilding. It's, you should get what you can to help with the rebuild. Trade him while he's still less than $4 million in an RFA and then let, let the, the next team deal with what that. What would have Anaheim got for Gibson three years ago? That's exactly right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Hey, John Shannon's going to be joining us at 1230. We're going to talk some Stanley Cup final as well as we'll take a look at uh, what the future could be for the Winnipeg Jets as this offseason goes. We're going to continue to talk PGA merger with Live Golf. Jim wasn't here. He's got lots of thoughts on that. We'll get to that as well. Paul Maurice, a gem of a comment talking about who's going to start game three for the Florida Panthers. Another gem from Paul. We'll be right back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Some breaking news here in the NHL world. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov on a two on signing a two year contract extension with the LA Kings. We don't know the exact amount yet, but 27 years old. He's going to be a UFA again when he's 29. That is a that's a sweet deal uh, to sign in. And some of the the we don't have the exact uh, amount. Okay, Elliot Friedman word is two years. Five point eight seven five million bucks, and he becomes a UFA again by at the age of twenty nine. So he's going to get ten million plus for two years and be a free agent. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, we'll bring on John Shannon, NHL insider, and we'll get your thoughts on that, John. John, how are you? Good, Jimmy. Cam, how are you? Oh, we're uh, doing well, thanks. That, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we need we we need more hockey news. I mean, I mean, has the off season has never stopped. It's it's unbelievable how much hockey talk there is these days. The Gavrikov deal obviously comes on the heels of the Kings being able to move some bodies out yesterday. Cal Peterson, Sean Walker to Philadelphia. That gave them the uh, the wiggle room to sign Gavrikov. And, and, and in many ways, the two-year deal, even though a team will tell you they would like to probably have him for longer, but I think a lot of teams are starting to hedge their bets uh, about where the cap is going to be uh, in two or three years. Uh, everybody, you know, that's become a factor in, in everything we talk about. Everybody's tight to the cap and the cap this and the cap that. But if you listen to the commissioner on the weekend, it's a million-dollar movement this year and perhaps a more normal movement, which means 4 to $5 million for the cap the following year, which would allow them to look at signing Gavrikov even longer term after his second year. And is this, when you mentioned that, John, like the business of it all, we were just discussing the Philadelphia Columbus LA trade in, in our first segment. And I mentioned this reminds me of the trade deadline this year where Nashville and Washington about two weeks prior to the deadline got a jump on things and sort of said, this is what we're going to do. Um, is this, I mean, I think this is an immediate member and for the fans, it's exciting that they might be getting out of the norms of when and how business is done in the NHL and teams sort of stepping forward. What Philadelphia has done in my mind has, um, you know, got away from maybe some other teams clouding what they want to get done in a week or two from now. Well, if you look at the timing, Jim, I mean, you know, the, the the series, although I don't think it's going to happen now, the series could go as far as the 19th of June, and then we're within a week of the draft. 
Um, and you combine that with the fact that the commissioner also doesn't really want a lot of non-Stanley Cup final news at this type of year. That's one of the reasons I think that teams have stayed away from doing trades now. But the necessity of these mathematical equations that need to fit and the draft picks that need to be moved and preparations of how to use your drafts kind of necessitates it. And, you know, there's always been this assumption, well, you can't make trades during the playoffs. It was, you can certainly make trades during the playoffs if you're not involved in the playoffs uh, at, at, any, at any level. So um, this is Danielle Briere doing his first big move as general manager. Rob Blake trying to make sure that the guy that they got from Columbus last year in Gavrikov is a key part of their defense next year. Uh, and Columbus getting uh, Ivan Provorov, who's, you know, quite frankly, could be better than Gavrikov, and he's uh, on a controllable contract. So this could be a win-win-win for all three teams. You know, and and, I, and I'm taking a look at that at, at the at the move by Philly. We got this question from uh, a texter, Mike, and you can text the show anytime two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. And John, he he asked this: Do you prefer Philly's loud approach to Carter Hart or Chevy's more discreet approach to shopping Hallibuck? Oh, well, it, it, it might be the difference between playing in Canada and the United States. <laughs> you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of people that are concerned in Philadelphia about the future of Carter Hart right now is minimal because you got to worry about what's going on with the, uh, with, with the Phillies and with what's going on as the, as the Eagles get ready for camp and what the Sixers are doing when they sign Nick Nurse's coach. Uh, versus when, you know, the Bombers are in camp, sure, and we're ready for the CFL season, but the, the lifeblood of Winnipeg right now we know is the Winnipeg Jets, and the lifeblood of the Winnipeg Jets is Connor Hellebuck. So if you you think discretion is going to get you a better opportunity to move a player, then you probably have to go with the discreet way. So, yeah, and I, I would understand that. So what do you think, John? Like, we, we know that, um, the Jets are listening. We know that you know they're they're not looking to rebuild. I don't I don't think that's news. Um, what do you think of this summer and 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 what's going to happen? Have these discussions like does Kevin Dayoff basically know by now what he wants to do? I think he's got a blueprint of what he wants his roster to look at look like when they come to camp in mid September. Uh, but at the same time. Um, in, you know, the, the discussions are going around the league with money, term, um, who can help whom. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of these three-way deals, and those are going to take longer to do because of, of all in the extra communication. So, uh, But I, I, I do think that, that uh, Craig and Kevin and Rick Bonus have had discussions about what the ideal roster should be and what is pra- and, and what is practical. Uh, and as you guys have hinted at, you know that's not anything that this team wants to share with anybody right now. Is a one-year deal even an option for Pierre Luc Dubois, John? Oh, I think everything's on the table. Hmm. I, I really do. I think I, you know. You're you're pushing off a problem for for 12 months, Cam. But you know how important is how? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: yeah. as a Jets fan or as Jets management, how important is next year as a single standalone season? 
Um, and if you can find a way to create something that they started to work on this year, and obviously it didn't go according to Rick Bonus's plan from opening day to the last day of the playoffs, but if you can start to re- continue to rebuild the culture, um, then if you buy yourself a year, then that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it's again from yeah. the player's perspective. From a player's perspective, there's more money coming into the system a year from now. So why not try to find a way to make it work for one year, uh, and and then and then go from there. That's you know we're we're going to start hearing about one year deals, two year deals, maybe three year deals for a lot of the star players as the summer goes on, simply because they can they they believe that there is going to be more money in the system in a few years. Yeah, because, John, John just to answer the, the question that you asked me there, I mean, this year coming up here, uh, it, it kind of sets the tone. I mean, if they come out next year and, and things don't work out, perhaps in a very similar fashion as they did this past year, I don't know if they can hide behind, you know, the word retool anymore. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, I do. Um, I do, but it, it, but it also defies, and you guys are much closer to it than I am. It also defies what I believe has been a philosophy in Winnipeg. And that is build through the draft, lock your own people up and sign them to long-term deals. Because for the most part, that is probably the most proficient way to get people to stay in Winnipeg. You know, there, there is a practical side to all of this about free agency, uh, about trading for players with no movement clauses. And it's unfortunate that most of the Canadian cities, a lot of the Canadian cities are on those lists for a ton of players. So that's a factor that has to be put in play to play when you have a Canadian team. So that's why if if you can find a way to inch along, inch along uh, with a guy like Dubois, it might make more sense than you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And that's what I was going to ask you lastly here, John, before we let you go, and we appreciate your time as always. Is the cap going up? Does that help Winnipeg or does it hurt them in the fact that they can resign some of their players? Um, they could spend more money in free agency, but also everybody's going to have more money and they kind of have to overpay in free agency to get guys to come here. How do you view the cap going up for a market like Winnipeg? Well, I'm not sure a million dollars makes much difference, Jim. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, when you think when you think the minimum contract in the National Hockey League is now just under eight hundred thousand um, dollars, you know, I, I I do think that people are still holding their breath, waiting for that moment that you have four and a half million dollars more to work with. So that's 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 when you guys call me twelve months from now and say who's going to be coming in free agency <laughs> when they have more money. But and it's funny. I was talking to a general manager of a team last week, and I said, "Boy, this team's got problems. That team's got problems." And he said, "Hey, John, we've all got problems. <laughs> this is this is this is not something that is just subject to Winnipeg, or subject to Nashville, or subject to Columbus. Every team in the league faces the same kind of issues when you have guaranteed contracts." and a cap that isn't growing as fast as the players want it to grow. NHL insider John Shannon with us uh, right now, and, and just always great. Always great to have you on the show, John. You take care, okay? 
Well, I, I'm glad I'm talking to you two guys because every time I was called, uh, Richard and Julie would call. It was always after a loss. I, you know, I heard that. <laughs> you know, I know that. You know, it was always. I mean, it was never. John, call us after a six-three Jets victory, and we'll have a little, you know, a sip of champagne and enjoy it. It's I just said that negativity. I said that to Richard one morning. I said the Jets won last night. You should have Shannon on, and it goes why. <laughs> and I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> Richard. You know, I. I I'm I'm being associated with every Jets loss every time. I'm I'm not, I think we might have to talk to management about this. I'll have to say something. I'll take it up. Uh, John, thanks so much. You take care. Okay. Cheers. Awesome, yeah. John. Great stuff. Uh, great stuff from John Shannon as always. And you know what? I I have to agree with him. Everything is on the table for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, do they? Is is it? Is it? Let's let's go next year. And yeah. see what happens. Like I, I just know, I, is is that is that even viable? I know some of the fan base think, given the history, that they'll just run it back. And look, I don't. They weren't going to run it back last year if something made their team better. Like we go over this over and over yeah. and over again. But just because something didn't happen last year doesn't mean they weren't trying to deal some of those core players to make the team better. But again, I always ask those fans who say that you know they're just going to run well. Would you rather not see Mark Shifley in a Jets jersey next year, or would you rather not see him here and have a couple picks? Mm. Like they're not going to trade him for picks. No, no, that's that's very clear. They want players for the people who say like, and I'm sorry about this, but I hear this a lot on social (laughs) media. The people who say that, well, they're just avoiding the inevitable. No, they're not. They have Connor Hellebuck, Nick Ehlers, Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry. They have all these guys under contract. It's not name me five stars on Philadelphia. Kevin name Hayes. me five superstars. <laughs> name me name me five eight, 60 to eighty point players on Anaheim. Like they're not in that situation, mm-hmm. and they're so not. and you're not going to sit down and deal like that four f- core players. You're not going to sit down and deal Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler, and Connor Hellebuck, and deal Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers and Josh Morrissey. You're not dealing seven core players you're dealing two to three to augment the three to four to five that you have left and you'd make a run again yeah let's take a break on the other side pga tour merges with live golf this has been the most wild story in golf and it must be in its history i think in sports it's insane it's <laughs> i couldn't believe it it showed up on. I got. It was sitting. It was right before my nine twenty five yesterday. I, and I'm one. And I and I saw that and I went, "What? Look, I, I don't. It. I don't dislike Rory McIlroy at all. I'm. He's not my favorite golfer at all. I just like Rory's on the tour. Rory's yeah. on the tour, and I like watching him. I wanted to give him a hug yesterday. This guy took a beating for the PGA Tour. An absolute beating. And they turned on him. We'll hear from Rory right after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. From where we were a couple of weeks ago to where we are today, I think the future of the PGA Tour looks brighter as a, as a whole, as an entity. Um, you know, what that looks like for individual players in terms of keeping a tour card and you know bringing players back into the fold and then that you know 
sacrifices other people. That's that's where the anger comes from, right? And I and I am I understand that and like I there there still has to be consequences to actions. You know, the people that left the PGA tour irreparably harmed this tour, started litigation against it. Like we can't just welcome them back in. Like that's not going to happen. And I think that was the one thing that Jay was trying to get across yesterday is like, guys, we're not just going to bring these guys back in and pretend like nothing's happened. Like that is not going to happen. So that's Rory McIlroy speaking at the Canadian Open today, which once again was hammered uh, by stories about Live Golf. Of course, last time it was their first tournament. This time it's the merger between the PGA Tour. I mean, Jim, what do you make of Rory McIlroy's comments and the situation as a whole? Well, he's not wrong. Like overall, I think this benefits golf which will benefit the PGA Tour. Because it brings a lot of money to it. Well, it brings a lot of money to it, and the best players will be on the tour Yeah, combined. I just... So here's how I equate it to it. Say you're a plumber or an electrician, and an, a rival company comes to you and says, I'll give you 50 grand more to come do what you do at our company. And you talk to the guy who hired you, put you through school, uh, you've been with for 10 years... And says, I can't match that. Mm-hmm. And they go, you know what? You've been very good to me. You've helped me, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to stay here. And then a year later, the company goes, oh, we sold to that company. You work for them now. And they go, welcome aboard. This is what you make. That 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 $50,000 more, it's not on the table anymore. It's out the window. Yeah. It just, it's a kick in the junk. And it's then you add in the whole idea that it's ridiculous that you took this stand over Saudi money and you just sort of took it anyway. I just and they said you're not we're not gonna just welcome them back. We're gonna make them pay fines or do all what? How do you you can't do that. You, you gonna, can't fine me for playing on a tour that now that you're begging me to get back so much so that you would merge with live golf and the Brooks thing Kepka can't say you need me at this event, I'm not paying this fine. Brooks Kepka, how many million, how many hundreds of millions did he did he run to live golf for? What are you going to say? Okay, you owe to get back your PGA Tour card. You're going to pay eighty million bucks. That's how, not going to happen. What, how many golfers turn down guaranteed money to stay with you? How many players turn down guaranteed? Go home and tell your wife that it's the biggest payday in the history. We went of sport, through a month of discussions and wondering about what an extra fifty million dollars guaranteed would mean to us, and our morals told us no. So we said no, and now we have to play on this tour funded by these people anyway, and we don't have the $50 million. Jim Toth is going to take you all the way until 3 o'clock. Thank you very much to the team of producers producing this show. Disgusting As well as Jeffrey Forche. It's a heel turn. It's when Hogan and Macho Man shook hands and became a team. Oh, that's, that's a heartbreaker. See ya!